Romans 8, verse 31 through 34. These are God's words. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? Christ, who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So far the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. The Lord now asks a series of rhetorical questions to drive home the point that not only do we groan forward, to the day of our glorification, the redemption of our body, the resurrection when we will be conformed to Christ's soul and body perfectly. But we groan forward with hope, with eagerness and perseverance that are sure to attain our goal because we know what God is always doing in everything is aiming at and bringing us to that day. And so in this series of rhetorical questions, uh, they have obviously implied answers. But the Lord asks them so that we will ask them of ourselves. First, what then shall we say to these things? And what we shall say is, God is for us, nothing can be against us. God is freely giving us all things. No one can bring a charge against us. God justifies us. No one can condemn us. Christ intercedes for us. And so we have you know, this great, big, long list of things that we can say in answer to the sufferings of this present time. Things that we can say in answer to our frustration with things in the creation the way it is, things with others in this world the way they are, things with ourselves the way we are. What can we say? Well, we can say at first, God is for us. The if God is for us is another one of those ifs that is really a since. Since God is for us, who can be against us? And the answer, of course, is no one. And not just, they're not strong enough to succeed against us. But even even if they intend to be against us, they're not actually against us because there's a will that is overruling their will. This is similar in theme to uh, one of our favorite texts in Genesis 15, verse 20. You intended it for evil, but God intended it for good. Even when the wicked intend enmity to us, there is another will operating. There is another intention operating. And it operates at a more fundamental and powerful level. God is for us. And so he intends our good, even in whatever the wicked wickedly intend. God in his goodness intends for good. So they may intend evil against us, but they cannot actually be against us insofar as God uses them over against their own intentions for our good. God is for us. No one, nothing is against us. Which, by the way, if you've ever had that wicked, grumbling murmur of the heart, where we say, everything's against me. 
it is exactly opposite of the truth for a Christian. If everything is against you, you have huge problems because that means God is against you and you are not in Christ. If you are in Christ, you have no right to let your flesh come through and say everything is against me. By the Spirit, you put to death that deed of the body and you say everything is for me because God rules and overrules all things. Verse 32 we have an argument from God's power. Sorry, not God's power. From God's love and from God's justice. That all things are for us. First, uh, and both have the same evidence that they present. First, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God's love which was so great to us that he gave his Son, who is more than everything in all of creation and all of time. God loved us so much that he gave him. Surely his love intends on giving everything else together with him. So that's an argument from God's love. But there's also an argument from God's justice. Because his Son, whom he gave for us, has become our righteousness. And the justice of God responding to the perfection of the righteousness of the Son, insists, demands, that for those for whom Christ is their worthiness, they would receive all things because that is what Christ is worthy of. And so if God has joined us to his Son and made us righteous with his Son's righteousness, now his justice demands that all things work together for our good. And so by two divine perfections that are joined in the gift of his Son, we can say, God's divine love is determined to give me everything good. And God's divine justice demands that I get everything good. So what can we say? We can say, God is for us. Nothing is against us. God is determined to give everything good. Uh, give all things to us. Uh, God demands that all things be for us before our good. No one can charge me. Verse 33 now. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Seriously, God has justified us. He does justify us. He declares us righteous. Is someone going to uh, is someone going to question the judge's opinion? Well, of course not. No one else is allowed to talk in God's court. He is the prosecution. He is the defense. He is the jury. He knows all the evidence. He is the judge who gives all the verdicts. And so since God has justified us in Christ, as we, just, as we were just now considering in verse 32, giving us his son, then we are sure that we cannot be charged by anyone because God himself is not charging us. He has vindicated us. He has declared us innocent. And then uh, no one can condemn us. We know this, of course, already from the beginning of the chapter. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But Jesus is the one who condemns at the last. He's the one who gives the verdict and makes the sentence. All judgment has been given into his hands. But what has he done? Well, 
he has died. And so there can be no condemnation for us because the death that he died, he died under a condemnation for our sin. But he hasn't just died, he rose again from the dead. It's Christ who died, verse 34, and furthermore also is risen. And so not only does uh, is he himself the one who has uh, taken our condemnation, who has made the payment, and so there's no condemnation left for us, but he who was delivered up on account of our transgressions or on account of our sins was raised on account of our justification. It is uh, he himself is the evidence that we cannot be condemned. And not only does he present himself in glory, verse 34 continued, who is even at the right hand of God, but what he does there as the one who has atoned for us, the one who is the living proof of our justification, what he does there is he makes intercession for us. He pleads the merits. He pleads the worthiness of his sacrifice and of his righteousness on our behalf. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore also is risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So no one can condemn me. Christ intercedes for me. So what shall we say when we're suffering with our sin, or we're suffering in this broken down and corrupt world, or we're suffering even at the hands of the wicked, who have wicked intentions to us? Here are some things to say. God is for us. No one can be against us. God has given me Jesus. God's love is determined to do all things for my good. God's justice demands that all things work together for my good. No one can bring a charge against me. God justifies me. No one can condemn me. Christ intercedes for me. We have a powerful list of things that we can say to these things. The Holy Spirit give us to lay hold of these truths as reality and say these things in the face of all suffering. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we ask that your spirit would help us for we know our weakness generally. We thank you that even in the wisdom and timing of your providence we are brought now at um, an exhaustion of uh, our uh, energy, our ability Uh, so that we might know all the more our dependence upon you. So help us by your Spirit to speak rightly uh, about the reality of your providence to us, that we would know that we suffer together with Christ, and that those who suffer together with him shall surely be glorified together with him and inherit together with him. And so give us that confidence from these wonderful historical facts and theological truths. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.